Welcome in to the Vinyl Community Podcast. Welcome back, buddies. It's Concert Buddy. You're listening to the Vinyl Community Podcasts, and this is part two of a terrific conversation that I recently had with Matt Sands, a 10-year veteran of the Vinyl Community on YouTube. If you haven't listened to part one, I highly encourage you. It's a really great conversation. We touch on a lot of interesting topics. This is a continuation of that conversation. We talk on things like the emergence of whatnot in the hobby and his experience as a seller and a buyer on that platform. And then I hit him with the lightning round questions to get some more insights into the mind of the record collector. Listen in. Hope you enjoy. Kind of touched on it a little bit, talking about like the record store and Obviously, you're somebody, and I know this obviously could have bought from me, but the whatnot thing going on, talking about the hobby taking different directions, because, you know, when it comes to online, the online thing is also something I feel accelerated the the interest and the accessibility of people finding records, obviously eBay and uh, yeah. Discogs and all those sorts of things. But now the whatnot phenomenon is here. And I know you guys have done a couple auctions. Like I said, I, I've bought something from you. Um, what, what has been your experience from the seller side? And uh, do you think, I mean, has it been positive? Has it been something that, uh, I mean, tell me in your own words, like what's, what's your experience been with Whatnot? Yeah, it, it's been a positive experience. We've done two Whatnot shows and I've done a couple just kind of YouTube uh, live stream sales. Um, both have had their pluses and minuses. Um, the Whatnot one, super positive because it's super easy. <laughs> like it is from a seller standpoint, ridiculously easy to sell on whatnot um the two that we did we kind of at the time we had some overstock we were wanting to raise some extra funds we had stuff that had been sitting for a while so it was like let's throw this stuff up there we've got a number in mind that we hope to hit total um we ended up hitting the number both times and uh shipping is super easy you can just print the labels out you slap it on the box and drop it off at the post office for me i work for the postal service so i just take them to work with me and mail them out um you get a decent crowd when we started we were kind of an early adopter right um, as far as sellers go and since then it's a lot of people have joined dylan from noble records is on there matt from too many records is on there uh michael from the in groove is on there uh it's a big time it's big time records um but i've seen live streams like billy hurst at riverbend is uh does the He's live stream on facebook mm-hmm. a lot um the thing that <laughs> for me it was like i don't know we did pretty well and then when dylan did his stream and even when billy i watched a couple of billies and it was like they would put records up and it was like how are these going for this price like what happened like i remember like a sticky fingers like a vg vg sticky fingers was like 60 bucks i was like <laughs> i have that in my store right now for 15 like i'll put that up and i would put it up and it would go for 15 it was like but it just went for 60, <laughs> you know, so it's like, what am I doing wrong? Like, what are these guys doing? But it's just, it's a different crowd. It's a different audience. Um, and there's a different aspect to like, maybe somebody feels like they want to buy something from that person and not necessarily like they want that record. Uh, right. I think that factors into pricing, but anyway, but I, I think it's a cool thing. I think it's a cool Avenue. Um, I do think, whatnot at first seemed like it was geared really towards newer collectors like the sellers at the time had kind of basic stuff and the people on yes. there were pretty excited about the basic stuff which is cool there's an 
at least there was an avenue for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it seems like it is getting uh, kind of the broader spectrum of stuff. You've got high-end stuff. You've got the, like I said, Michael from the in-groove selling his high-end. Yeah, movies. once Esposito came into the waters, it kind of, yeah. and obviously Dylan, you know, like some, like some the of the people. Who... The sharks. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> here it is. It's the feeding frenzy now. So Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard similar things. Like I've talked to Billy about his whatnot experience, and then obviously I've, I've, I've heard some different feedback on live streams from like Esposito and, and whatnot, but um, that was a Freudian slip, by the way. Whatnot was, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I haven't really made up my mind personally as a buyer on it. Yeah. Um, it kind of like, like, like you said, like you guys are one of the first kind of like folks that put your toe in the bathwater. And I, you know, I, I, any, anywhere that, that sells records, I'll usually like check out, right. That's just yeah. the, the mind of the collector. Cause it could be an untapped horizon of, yeah. you know, things you just, you know what I mean? You have to leave no stone unturned. And, uh, I do think that there is some interesting elements that they've layered in in terms of the presentation. Like yeah. there's the, there is the interaction, but I think it's kind of a brief, like it, it like your, your guys, you guys were like really interacting with the, you know, us when we'd be on the thing, but some of these are so big, there's two, 300 yeah. people like to, to, to Esposito, Dylan, to, I mean, they can't talk to everybody, that kind of thing. Um, but then also I think they've done a masterful job and this is just my feedback of really Pray, not, I wouldn't say praying, but really playing up the uh, FOMO, and especially the way they yeah. do the clocks, because they do like an early eBay. Because remember, you, you didn't used to have set prices on eBay if, 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 for years ago. It used to be only yeah. auctions. And if you're like me, you figured out a way to really nuance and know when you you had to like four between four and six <laughs> seconds left in the auction, you had to submit it and you could yes. swoop in and snipe it, right? Yeah. Um, but it's it's very interesting. Like, I, like I said, I haven't really made up my mind yet. Like I haven't abandoned it because there's some people like you sell on there. Uh, Harry, Harry's record room. He's a YouTube guy. He's been selling oh. 45. So oh. I, so you know, like I'll I'll jump in and kind of check that stuff out. But uh, but no, you hit it on the head. I've heard a lot of feedback that talking about you have a record at 15 and the same record sold for 60. I think there is some of that social proof and somebody yeah. buying a record from seller X saying, Oh, I bought a record yeah. from, you know what I mean? So, and, and teach your own. I mean, if that makes them happy, more power to them, but for sure. Um, yeah. And I, I will never fault the seller for capitalizing on that either. You know, it's like, uh, if you can make the money and people are willing to buy it and they're happy, you know, if you're getting good feedback, if, if you're selling it for an inflated price and then somebody later on is mad about it, like there's a little bit of, like the impetus is on the buyer a little bit, but at the same time, right. I don't keep doing it over and over. Sure, um, sure. But if it's happening and people are happy about it, you know, it, if it was us and we had made triple what we thought we were going to make, I'd be doing one of these every week. <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it just is what it is. But, uh, yeah, yeah. but for us, it was just kind of, we needed the cash at the time. We had the overstock and we did it. Um, we, we were on there when they weren't even offering media mail shipping, which was, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it was a pain in the butt. Uh, that was kind of one of the downsides. And I, I let our rep know, like, this is garbage. Like, people <laughs> are going to get postage, do things. And he told me kind of behind the scenes stuff what was going on. But, um, yeah, I, I and I haven't even been on as a buyer in a while. So I don't know. You know, is it still kind of the Wild West, or is there a little bit more of? Uh... Yeah, I think I think it's still like casino-ish in the sense yeah. of the countdown and a lot of stuff. But no, you hit on a real good point because it has. I give them a lot of credit to whatnot people is they've really listened to some of that feedback because those yeah. first auctions from the first sellers, it was priority only, and yeah. nobody wanted to pay nine dollars for shipping. And like when I ordered from you, like it was just the way it was. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so the, even things now, like Billy Hurst was telling me, like in-store pickup or something, because his community, yes. when he does the Facebook auctions, 
there it's his local a lot of it's his local clientele and they just want to buy it on facebook and then come up and pick it up that week and yeah. so it sounds like that's to whatnot's credit they're hearing the feedback and, and making the change so if they weren't i think it'd really turn off a lot of sellers but for uh, sure yeah and, and the YouTube thing has been really good for us because we were able to sell it. Like, we tried some psychedelic kind of records on Whatnot, and there just wasn't the crowd for that. Sure, sure. Um, so I just, on my personal YouTube page, did it. And there was, you know, of course, a lot of interest because that's the kind of stuff I show, and I have that kind of audience. And we also had some local people shop on there that were like, cool, I can do local pickup now, and I don't have to get hit with $5 shipping or $9 shipping or whatever. And <laughs> um, Or if it was like, I don't know, we could just kind of do more deals. You know, it was like, no matter what you buy, it's five bucks shipping. Or if you're international, we'll cap it at 30, but you know, sure, you're not sure. getting hit with the, the live stream, the whatnot, uh, shipping tiered or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, so, yeah, sure. I, I think it's kind of a cool Avenue and, and we had a lot of fun doing it. Like you said, it was very interactive and we'll probably do another one down the road, but there's not any immediate plans to, to make it a regular thing. Gotcha. Um, I want to touch on something. I'm glad you said the, the psych thing because I didn't. It was in my it was in my rundown here, but I didn't really touch on it. So from the outsider looking in, obviously psych music is 50 plus years old. Like that's your that's your lane. Like you that's yeah. you know for lack of a better word, like that's what you really gravitate towards. How did that happen? Because generationally, obviously, I, I would assume maybe your parents listened to it or a brother, or whatever. Like how did you gravitate to that style? Because it's a very unique style, and like I've tried to. Like I have some 13th floor, you know what I mean? Like I've dipped yeah. my toe in the bathwater, but it, it hasn't like pulled me like it's pulled you or like Dylan sure. or anybody else. So, so what drew you to that particular lane of, of music? That's, that's a really good question. Uh, growing up, my dad played music a ton, uh, like classic rock radio. So we listened to a lot of seventies and eighties stuff. Uh, not a ton of sixties. Like he had the Beatles, you know, the one uh, cassette tape, you know, with all their greatest hits or their number one hits. Mm -hmm. uh, and he had a Beach Boys greatest hits tape. And then he had a Herman's Hermits greatest hits tape, which uh, I don't know why that was the one that he loved. But otherwise, he, my dad is super into 70s music, like soft rock, uh, which I also have a soft spot for, like sure. yacht rock kind of sounding stuff. But, I love uh, yacht rock. Yeah, I'm totally into it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Something about like, I just kind of got into the Beatles. And then from there, it was sort of like, as I got older, it was like, what were they influenced by? What was kind of happening at the time? Um, like Sergeant Peppers is a cool album. What else sounds sure. like that? And you kind of just kind of go down the rabbit hole. And for whatever reason, that style and that sound, um, especially the heavier psych stuff, like with the fuzz guitars and the stereo panning and the phasing and the trippy effects and the, the back masking, like part of it was, I loved the sound, but it was also like from a historical point of view, like, man, they were doing some wild stuff with like four track you know, at the time. Like, how did they do this? Um, you know, and then when eight track came around, they were really getting wild. Like, I don't know. There was just something about the historical aspect of it mixed with the sound um, that just kind of tripped something in me. And I always joke, like, I'm the squarest person to be into psychedelic stuff. Like, <laughs> never really touch drugs, you know, like it, it, it is, it is off brand. Thing. I'm not, you know, you know, you're my guy and all, but it is a little off yeah. brand. So that's what it's piqued my yeah. curiosity here. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I mean, Sam has his own history, his own past. Uh, there's <laughs> there maybe a reason he's into the psychedelic stuff, Fair but, enough. uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I, you know, college happened for me too, but in, in a very small way. But uh, I don't know. It's just, yeah, just that sound. Um, and I really like the pop psych stuff too. I think it melds, especially the 1970s soft rock sound. There's something that happens in the late 60s, like 68, 69, 
that still is around in like 72, 73 with like bread, like, <laughs> like guitar man or something still has kind of those effects. Sure, um, sure. And so I think there was a little bit of that getting it from my dad, like, and he had a bread greatest hits tape. Um, Naturally. You know, it's, you know, it's the soft rock, it's the ballads, but there was always like a little something different about them. And so then when you're hearing like a group from the sixties, like eternity's children, uh, which is a pop site group, it's like super ballady and poppy but with some of those effects it's like oh man that kind of is bread like and this is like a rare record like people like this style like i like this style and so then again it's just that rabbit hole of like going down the different lanes and the different roads until you just like all of a sudden you're like looking up from the hole like how do they get down here <laughs> that's awesome yeah. cool my man all right well I have so many more questions I asked you, so I'll have to bring you back because there's so many things sure. I want to hit on. But trying in, in the sake of time, I want to be pretty tight about the timing here. And obviously, you know, don't want to keep you up late here. But let's go to the lightning round. Lightning right, round man. time. Are you ready? You, you, you <laughs> need a drink or something? Because we, we yeah, I'm going to take yeah, I'm going to take take a, take a sip, Matt, because these these are some of the this is some Bill O'Reilly stuff about the hitcher. <laughs> This is some inside edition. Do it. Live. <laughs> um, all right. So, lightning round questions. So, in your collecting journey, what's been what was the hardest record for you to find? And I don't mean not necessarily the most expensive or yeah. the rarest, like one of five hundred, but like for you that you were just like chasing, and then you got it. And like a lot of us, you got it. Hopefully, in the wild, and you lay out that audible like fist pump or like oh shit <laughs> or something. Like, what was that record for you? Man, this was a tough question because there's a ton of records that fit that mold for me. But one of the early ones, I was super cheap. Like I said, like $5 or less was like all I wanted to spend. Michael Jackson's Thriller was a record that I was like, I will find this for a dollar or less. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to pay more for it. I will not. Uh, like Rumors and Hotel California were the other two. It was like, these are the, the three best selling records of all time. There are literally millions of copies of these out there. I will find one for a dollar or less that freaking thriller record man it was like i didn't see it in record stores unless they were new reissues i didn't see it at thrift store not, i mean for like five six seven years and then mm. finally one day i walk into a thrift store and i was like yes 50 <laughs> cents it's coming home like i found it and then after that it's that phenomenon of like once you find it it's see it everywhere, everywhere. It's yes. like every thrift store, every dollar bin. It was like, where were these copies? Yes, the <laughs> floodgates yeah. are open. Yeah. 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 So I know that's a super weird answer, but I was like, I it was just one of those, like, I had that vendetta, like, I will not pay more. I like I like that record, but not enough to pay eight dollars or twelve dollars. Like, it's a dollar. It's coming home with me. <laughs> and I finally yeah, yeah. found. <laughs> I can appreciate I can appreciate that discipline because I think for me I'm very competitive. And I think at some point right. If I was in a similar shoe that I'm sure I have been, I would if if I if it was there for two dollars, yeah. I would just you know what I mean. So I, I hear you. Um, <laughs> but similar vein, similar vein. So that's that was the hardest one. But what was like the most rewarding? Would it be the same thing, or was there one that you're like it just really jazzed you up? It could have been a cheapie. It could have been something that had a personal uh, attachment to you. Like, what was the most rewarding one for you to find? Man, uh, the most rewarding. Um... That's a really good question. I'm going to say probably Pet Sounds. Um, that was always a record that I knew was considered great. Uh, my dad was a big Beach Boys fan. I knew that record front to back, like from a kid on up. Um, 
but it was another record that was expensive and i knew i wasn't going to find that in a dollar you know uh, i did find a thrift store copy pretty early on but it was trashed and i i was still excited to have it but it was like this is like a wall hanger and like i'll put it on the crosley <laughs> you know but it's not touching <laughs> the real thing table um, right sure and then uh fast forward you know i don't know six years ago or something i'm at a st louis record show and looking through the bins and this guy next to me pulls out pet sounds in like a four dollar bin and he was like oh man cool pet sounds and he sticks it back in and i was like you're not gonna get that he's like no i've got a copy and it was like okay <laughs> you know like <laughs> i'll take it it was like again it was a stereo copy it was like vg but it was definitely an upgrade for me but it was like yes i finally have like a play copy that i can mm. be proud to own like it's not trashed i can right, feel right. good about putting on the good turntable sitting down and listening to it um and i've since upgraded again to it but like that was one that was like a milestone again another one that was critically acclaimed but also like a personal my dad loved it i loved it my brother who's not super into 60s music and not really into records it was like one for him that he was like oh dude you got pet sounds like it just personally was a a, a satisfying find also i can appreciate that all right so i'm trying to keep lightning round to the final five so that's two <laughs> um as a store owner and or collector what's the record you just see all the time like what's the one you're like oh this again oh man aside from the normal thrift store fair like the montavani and that kind of stuff herb uh, albert sure sure yeah the herb albert um it, it's honestly it's kind of it, it kind of comes and goes in, in waves like for a long time billy joel's the stranger we had like 20 copies <laughs> of it and now i've got none in the store you know like carol king's tapestry is another one like these uh -huh. kind of cheap records, you know, they're like three, four, five bucks. Um, there'll be like a period of six months where every collection you get has a copy or two copies. And then it's like, you realize a year later, you're like, huh, we haven't had that record in six months mm. or eight months mm. or whatever. And for whatever reason, it's shifted to a, a different cheapy kind of record. But uh, Billy Joel's The Stranger has to be up there. Carol King's Tapestry has to be in the top five. Um Oh man, there's a bunch in that kind of um, in that kind of vein. Elton John's "Honky Chateau" is one we get a lot. Not like mm. a super common Elton John record by any stretch, but not a rare sure. one. But it's just I don't know. That, that one's probably the most common Elton John <laughs> record we have in our area. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Billy, but Billy Joel's "Stranger" is like the first one that pops into my head. Like that's got to be up there. <laughs> like for a while, we considered like. Could we fill a whole bin? Like, <laughs> just, just put the the stranger on a tab. Like, yeah, yeah, that's funny. Because there, there are shops like that that have like the Hurt Alpert whipped cream cover yes. all on the back wall. Or uh, Steve Carlson had a video a few months ago where they had Huey Lewis in the new sports, one of like my favorite yeah. records. Same thing, right? That would be amazing. All right, home stretch, my friend. So, what does audiophile mean to you? stuff that i can't afford <laughs> <laughs> uh audiophile i can appreciate people that are super into their audio equipment and their speakers and their system and their setup and they want it to be as as good as it can be they want the best of the best i i totally get that uh for me i'm i'm on a budget i've always been on a budget um i've upgraded my equipment through the years i i feel like i've got a pretty decent setup now but i, I would like a better receiver down the road i would like better speakers um, but I also know my limitations on my own hearing and my own ears. Um, I've listened to music since I was a kid. I've gone to concerts since I was a teenager. When I was a when I was in high school, I was super into pop punk. I know 
<laughs> but uh, we go to a lot judgment of those. Zone. This is like Planet Fitness, no judgment zone, all right? <laughs> yes. But I would go to a ton of concerts, and I'd be right up front by the speakers. And, man, that has taken a toll on my hearing where, you know, if I'm going to upgrade my speakers, I want to be able to know that I'm upgrading my speakers. Sure, sure. And uh, I've got a small record room. I don't need to have, like, a huge... You know, I don't need the Klipsch heresies or the Scholars or whatever they JBLs, are. JBLs, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, decent setup is all I need. But the guys that are into it, I respect it. Um, if they think they can tell a difference, I'm not going to judge them. I'm sure, maybe you can tell a difference. I can't. <laughs> you know, like, sure, a lot of sure. records in my collection are in VG condition because I don't always hear the crackle. I don't always hear the pop. Mm. I don't always notice the fidelity difference. Now, there are some records for sure I've upgraded and, and Oh man, this I should have upgraded this a long time ago. But I, I think for me, it's just more about the listening experience than it is about the uh, hearing experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want the music in any way I can get it. I do a lot of Spotify listening on my phone uh, with the crappy phone speakers or my crappy car speakers, sure. um, and that, that that's all. I'm not gonna judge anybody that's that's into the the big stuff. Right on. All right, you made it. Last question. And again, oh another po- this is a controversial one in certain areas of the vinyl community. Do you keep your records in the sleeve or behind the sleeve? There's no wrong um, answer in my opinion, but it, yeah. it, it can be very polarizing. It can be. And Sam will take a hard line on this as well, where he's like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> for me, it's it's a mix. Um, I didn't used to care. I used to just put them all in the sleeve and it was like, you know, a $200 record was going in the sleeve is the same. It was a dollar record, but now I've, I've like upgraded, you know, anything that's like more than like 30 bucks. I've got a MoFi sleeve. Um, if it's above 50 bucks, I'm taking it out and putting it in the back. Um, try to avoid those seam splits. Um, trying to be careful when you're pulling them on and off the shelf, not to do too much shuffling and sure. You know, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. It's kind of a mix. So, I've made both people mad. <laughs> Equal opportunity offender. Right. I can appreciate that. That's awesome. <laughs> well, Matt, you did it. Thank you for humoring me with this conversation. Like when I when I started my YouTube channel and you were always really supportive about that. And and I eventually saw myself doing these type of like conversational things, but I also wanted to get to know guys like you and Brandon and people yeah. like I just seen at the record show, saw your YouTube stuff, and I really kind of wanted to pick your brains, but also learn a little bit about you, you know, that kind of thing. So, and like I told you off before we even started, this is technically the first, well, one of the first shows of the Vinyl Community Podcast. So not that that comes with a, a, a takeaway prize or concert tickets or anything <laughs> like that, but uh <laughs> Bad job. Yeah, the gold star. Remember that gold yeah. star you were talking about before? I'll get you one of those gold stars. But anyway, man, appreciate the time. Always love talking to you. Yeah, and, no, uh, I appreciate it big time, man. This was super fun. My Sunday morning routine, it's like I don't comment a ton on your videos because Sunday morning, my wife and daughter go to Sunday school early. And mm-hmm. so I've got like enough time at home. Where I'm like, ah, oh, Concert Buddy's got a new video. And I sit down <laughs> on my TV with my breakfast and I watch your your videos. Oh, and I man. After that. So. Love it. Uh, that's my routine. It's 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 nice. It's very relaxed. Cool. Well, well, I'm glad I'm glad they're gone because sometimes I do have some colorful language in them clips. So it's probably the best that, that the ladies are gone. So I anyway, love it. Matt, that's great. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. I'll talk to you soon, my man. Thank you very much, man. And that was another trip around the turntable. Thanks for listening to Vinyl Community Podcasts.